calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Welcome to Frau Pow, where your hosts, Odd and Rex. Today we are interviewing um, Christy or Voldilocks about all sorts of things. Uh, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about like how to handle isolation, especially during this pandemic. We talk about a lot of mental health stuff, um, exploring a diagnosis in adult years for ADHD. Uh, talking about BPD and how she's making connections between her BPD and ADHD and like trying to get her life to work as a lukewarm mess. Um, with all of this said, we do want to give some trigger warnings. We do talk about self-harm. We do talk about underage sexual abuse. Um, we also do talk about suicidal ideation and thoughts of suicide. So if this is not the episode for you, Skip ahead, go listen to another episode, come back to us when you're ready. We're going to start nice and easy. Tell us about yourself. Oh, okay. Um, I am Christy, optional E. Uh, let's go with that. Christy, optional E. That's it? That's all you want to tell it. us That's about yourself? I am. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm an enigma wrapped in shadows. <laughs> I actually, one of the notes I have uh, to describe is that I've become uh, what's known as a shadow witch, or I do shadow work. Okay. Um, Elaborate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, uh, by profession, I am a team librarian, but it's a weird time because I voluntarily quit my job January tw uh, 2020 to move to Seattle, and then a pandemic hit, so I don't even know what I am anymore. I'm just a collection of days at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I am a teen librarian. I have done that for 10 years. I love working with teenagers. I love inspiring them to be more creative, uh, and so my hope is that I can offer these services that I used to offer in a library for, like, 20 to 50 teens at a time, um, but for larger scale groups. And then 
events got taken away as soon as I finally was able to start going about doing that. So for me, I'm, I'm reinventing myself. I'm reinventing what that looks like and how I can do these events. So my answers are a bit murky right now. Um, I am doing way too many creative projects to be able to say what I'm doing. So I'm an, I'm a, I'm a creative professional. Let's go with that. That's a, it's a vague, vague way of describing it. I very know, right? vague. It's very big and broad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, so I have a hundred day project that I'm starting where I'm, uh, I just started using TikTok because I wanted to get better at video editing because now a lot of my events are going to have to be online. So if I have poor video quality, my events aren't worth what I want to charge. So I have to like quickly get better at editing and TikTok has been very helpful for that. Um, I make weird shit. Actually, I'm really into cottagecore and uh, people (laughs) trying to live that fairy life. Elaborate. <laughs> I, I know what you mean, but TikTok. that's because I lurk your life, essentially. <laughs> so if you go on to TikTok and you look up um, witch talk or witches of TikTok or cottage core, uh, my personal favorite name is goblin core. And it's just all these people, like some of it's just straight up. I made a sauce, I put some video effects on it, and. Um, it was on par with other things in cottage core. I'm just saying it's a wonderful way to pretend that you live in a fairy tale. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm into that. I used to be really into fairies when I was little and I used to build them fairy houses because um, I watched that movie fairy tale when I was a child and I wanted to take pictures of fairies. So I can only imagine that that would feed that. Oh, I'm sure there are fairy houses and fairy doors and things like that i was actually when i was at the dollar store feeling like a billionaire because i could actually spend money uh, they had like this whole little like station of fairy doors and little wells and things and i wanted to purchase them and i was like that's not a good use of your money right now yeah it's literally a waste of money but i also want to do that yeah <laughs> there's like um a blog that i used to follow on tumblr that was like just fairy doors that is a good tumbler that's a good tumbler or maybe gnome doors something like that mm-hmm. um but yeah so to get back to the the shadow work um there's various subsets of people who call themselves witches a lot of them you know are practicing wiccans i am not um you know you don't have to necessarily do all of the rituals um though they're fun um i read this book called basic witches And one of the people who wrote it, she's really into the spiritual aspects. And the other person, um, which I started referring to myself as a witch after reading this, uh, she's reclaiming the term from a feminist perspective. She does not, she's not here for any of the spirituality. She's upfront about it. She's like, I'm here. I'm half of the the authoring on this book. Um, But like, this isn't what I get from it. And hearing her uh, talk about her relationship to it, I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just call myself a witch for like the memes, you know? And I started by sharing really dark memes at a dark time and people were either really worried or they were really into it. (laughs) Uh, And then basically the subsect that refer to themselves as shadow witches are people who are 
like all you have to do to participate in shadow work is just rip your emotional scars open and let them bleed over you and learn from them and I was like oh that's it that's all it takes and then I'm like totally a witch I'm bonafide great I'm awesome at that already like let's go uh I believe I call that emotional seppuku (laughs) I just call it therapy I just don't know where y'all are going some of that going on I would say shadow work also Over 50% of shadow work is self-care because they warn over and over again if you're doing shadow work and you're not taking care of your your state of mind and where you're at and grounding yourself, you're going to get into some sort of honor killing, basically, when you just really need to, like, open it up, let the poison out, and kind of play, like, finger paint with it. I don't know where we're going with this metaphor, but... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, let's... Open you up and finger paint a little bit. <laughs> I swear people trust me with their children. <laughs> let's finger paint with your emotions. Yeah, let's do it. We're a queer podcast and we're finger painting together. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, back on back track. On tra- I, we're going to get off track so much, guys. I am not on my meds. Uh, so I arrived in... We're just going to blame your ADHD, so... Yeah, this is going to be all over. This is, this is what... Getting ADHD diagnosis at 33 and finally figuring it out and getting the meds. And then as soon as I get to a place where I'm looking to settle, no longer having access to the meds. It seems like you need the meds to do this, but you need to do this to have the meds. Like it just seems like a catch-22 almost. That's been so many things with trying to treat my mental health. Um, My favorite is when people, when I'm actively trying to get help and then people are like, this is what's wrong with you. Like, you should work on this. And they're trying to be helpful, but it's hurtful instead. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we don't realize the dismissive things that we end up saying to our friends um, when we're just trying to be helpful. And then when, you know, those of us who have a lot of intense emotions react poorly to said help, we're seen as the problem because we're not taking the help that someone is offering. And... Sometimes the help is is not help and they want to help. And I, you know, so I kind of isolated before it was cool, um, before the pandemic, because I was just like, I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. I can't <laughs> like people are just treating my brain like it's a playground. I'm done. So you're an isolation hipster. I am Talk an isolation it. hipster. I'm not alone, but I am because it's isolation. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. So I was self-isolating a lot last year after I got out of the hospital because what would happen is I went to the hospital and I thought it would be this amazing, like I I had nothing else to do. I was so broken. I was very suicidal. I had been suicidal for most of my life, uh, but it, it was starting to scare me. The thing about that year is that's this, so this was like, six months or so after Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain um, took their own life. And that really sat on me in the second half of 2018 because I previously had never really thought much about either of those figures. But then it was like, oh, people who I thought had their shit together and were like living this amazing, wonderful life, like they also suffer from or suffered from the things that I am kind of working through. And obviously it's personalized and individualized for our own traumas, but you know, no amount of resources can make you un 
like stop feeling suicidal. Uh, you need the right kind of help. And um, I think that with the suicidal ideation, something that is really hard for me is that like that's something that has always been an issue for me. And I thought, you know, maybe getting to a certain point in my life or being a certain age or having something would make that go away. Or if I was like in therapy for X amount of years, but like it doesn't, it never really goes away, but you figure out tools to um, help alleviate that pressure a little bit or a lot. Um, And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And like thinking about that, um, makes me feel like so heavy and like suffocated and exhausted already. Um, And I can only imagine Mm -hmm. what that would be like when you're going to a place like just to get through, you know, the next day or two days or three days. And they're just kind of like putting a Band-Aid on that wound. And it's it's not a magical fix at all. And it never will be. And it feels. No. Yeah. And so because I ended up having not the best day in the hospital and was very reluctant, I was trying. I was actively trying to seek out therapists. Um, I have borderline personality disorder, uh, so I need uh, DBT or dialectical behavior therapy. And that is very impossible to find someone who practices DBT, is taking new clients, and takes insurance and has availability. Like, they could be taking a new client, but it's like, all right, you get every other Friday, and you have to leave work early in order to do this. Cool, great, thanks, bye. Um, I ended up finding a CBT therapist and getting a DBT workbook uh, at the end of the day. I actually, like, I lost a bunch of friends, um, particularly last year, but a lot of the friends that I lost are people who are like, I can't handle this. Like, there's too much going on. Like... Why is everything so dark all the time? Um, yeah, I think that, especially with BPD, um, just as someone who is in the mental health field um, and as a child of someone who has BPD, that it's so hard, like you're saying, like to meet all those like boxes and then also to have someone I've heard of like professionals like are like, oh, I only have one BPD patient at a time. And I'm like, oh, I can understand But, like, also, that's so fucking intense. And, like, especially in our area, like, New Jersey, like, New York area. Like, what the fuck? What are all these people supposed to be doing? Um, It just so, it makes me so sad for everybody. And I think that a lot of it, there's a lot of um, misunderstanding of what BPD looks like, what it means, how it's expressed, um, how it's expressed in the same person. Um, so the diagnostic characteristics, uh, you have to meet five to nine, like you need a minimum of five of the nine symptoms, but you don't need to have all nine. And at various points in my life, every single one of the nine has, um, you know, impacted me, but it doesn't necessarily happen all at once. Maybe I'll make some inroads with a certain aspect of my personality, but then something else that I thought was under control starts to slide. Um, it's a constant maintenance. I feel sometimes like my brain is a haunted carnival and I am the crotchety old watchman who's just like, these kids, they're running around. There's a 
roller coaster going. Don't they know what time it is? It's 3 a.m. And then, you know, then there's just like thoughts going and they're like, yay, again, again. And it's just, I want to get off the ride sometimes, you know? Oh, I know. That's, <laughs> that's how I feel about like my OCD a lot of the time, though. Like comparing apples to oranges, a lot of times I feel like my brain is just spinning and then I want to get off that ride and I can't because I'm just obsessing. So I can't mm-hmm. even imagine what it feels like to add some extra levels to it. Yeah. I, you know, and then because I've had a lot of uh, trauma in my life, uh, trauma that had been either brushed aside or people would be horrified and then be like, well, I don't know what to say or I don't know what to do about that. So I wouldn't actually fix it. Interestingly enough, the trauma that has been easiest to kind of address many of the symptoms, um, I was uh, I was molested for all of middle school, and that was something that fundamentally changed who I am as a person, um, just in terms of constantly having to lie. Um, I always had to make it seem like I had everything under control. You know, the whole, I was the epitome of fake it till you make it. Um, and so, whereas I thought I had gotten over that stuff because I had been able to, you know, get through the sexual layer of that trauma, um, the manipulative layer, um, where someone is controlling you because, but like in ways that you can't, like, I never felt like I had solid ground because I had a lot of little tiny snips into my brain where I would just kind of question things, um, the gaslighting involved in that. And, you know, that informed who I became as an adult human. And that is something that I had to unpack last year after losing a bunch of my friends in a glorious blaze of glory of my mental health decline. (laughs) I mean, you just, you just told us a lot. You just finger painted (laughs) a whole bunch I'm proud of you for finger painting. Thank you. Put it on um, the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just um, interesting when you're talking about, um, not interesting, that makes it seem like voyeuristic. No, put me under your but... microscope. I'm interesting. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, split open. But... Might as well like, make me to a slide. <laughs> you may as well just keep going. <laughs> um, but I think that uh, you're experience of trauma and you're talking about you know how it's shaping you how it's shaped you but then also um you know getting this late in life diagnosis of ad um adhd how did that um transform your life or change your life especially when you're going through so much change last year that was the only thing that kept me going uh doing a lot of research on adhd and getting the meds for it and seeing one of the things that they don't really talk about as a symptom for ADHD uh, is irritability and impulsivity. Um, Sometimes they do with children, but then they don't look at what that looks like in adults. Um, And a lot of the things that I was doing where people were like, why are you like this? And then I would be like, I don't know, but I hate it too. Like what people weren't realizing is that a lot of the reasons I wanted to kill myself were because of ADHD symptoms. Um, things that I just tried and tried and I worked over and over again to figure out, okay, 
well, here's my planner. I'm going to organize. Here's this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to level up. And then I'd end up slumped in the shadows of my blanket burrito and eating my feelings and just like really piling the shame onto myself. Um, the shame, in fact, ins- would inspire future shitty behavior um, because it was just given free reign. Um, and I do want to just kind of take a brief tangent to say that I'm already producing a lot of shame, uh, or at least I was, um, and because I was faking it until I made it, you know, taking on that whole nonchalant approach to, I don't have mental, like, yeah, I have depression and anxiety, but like, I have my stuff taken care of, and I was very much seemed like someone who had their stuff figured out, even if I would still have moments. But part of that was a lack of self-awareness. And part of it is that I was crippled with shame and I did the best that I could while crippled with shame. And then because I was kind of nonchalant about things, people would misunderstand that as not caring. Um, People would try to get a rise out of me because they would we would be fighting or arguing or whatever and I just seem like really chill this whole time and people are you they're not really responsive to that (laughs) um I mean I've had people say and do a lot of really mean um or intimidating things just trying to get a rise from me but like I'm a professional at trauma Um, I had to lie every single day of middle school all day long at school while I was getting bullied. I had to lie afterwards to this person who was taking advantage of me and make it so like they thought I liked it, um, which didn't just didn't want my mom to go to jail because she gave me the like the, the talk that you give, um, to young girls where you're like, okay, well, if anyone touches you in a way that you don't like, please let me know, like, like, if you're uncomfortable, and, like, she was so vigilant about it that I was terrified she would murder him, (laughs) and then I would lose my mom, um, so it just kind of became a thing that the more someone tries to get a rise from me, the less they'll see of it, but I will have a reaction, I will go home, I will go in my room, I will lurk in the shadows, and I will just... It won't be finger painting. It will be like um, those poor paintings on Instagram where people are just like dousing oh, a I canvas in really relaxing looking paint. Like that's just what happens afterwards. And so when I'm trying to stop it because I feel unsafe in whatever discussion we're having, in the past, I would puff myself up. I would get a little bit bigger. I would be like, no, you stop. And like, you know, like I was trying to take over being the alpha of the conversation or something. Um, and that just escalates things. And then um, I, I'm, this is something I'm still working on. Like I can be the worst version of myself thanks to the, um, the borderline personality disorder. And it usually comes out when we're, I'm having an intense discussion with someone I love. Um, and unfortunately, people I love have seen the worst sides of me. And I feel really bad about that. Um, But I can't undo things I've done and said. I can only apply lessons from them. Um, And I forget why I took this tangent, but here we are. Um, 
This has been brought to you by Lack of Concerta. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think your discussion about, like, shame, that for me is, like, a really, 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 I, that I felt that, like, I guess, like, in my soul, because that's, like, my biggest thing, just, you know, having a really traumatic childhood and having to lie all the time, it, I have so much anger towards myself, and then it just sort of, like, starts spiraling, and then, Mm. Then I start isolating and then I get really nonchalant (laughs) and like then you just like it's just builds and builds and then you are irritable because you're like, well, I'm fucking mad at myself and everybody else should be fucking mad at myself. So too bad. (laughs) And I'm just going to keep going because if I just keep going, like they will prove everybody right. And I just, yeah, it's a real, (laughs) it's a real big issue. And I think also that like nonchalantness. I, I, my partner is like, when that happens and like you get really calm, it's really scary. And I know something bad is going to happen. I'm like, yeah, because I'm preparing to like fucking rip your head off. Oh, yeah. No, when I get <laughs> like that, um, I can scream and yell in a person's face and they're, they're not impacted. But when I get quiet mad, as I like to call it, um, my ex, when I was scared. <laughs> as I was saying yesterday on the phone to rags (laughs) um I was trying to talk with an ex about something that happened and I was like oh yeah and then I got quiet mad and then there was just like a hush on the other line of the phone he's like scary mad (laughs) (laughs) and it is it's really scary and I think that for me um I've just been in so many unsafe situations um either from dating the wrong person uh, like I dated someone that was emotionally manipulative and abusive for seven years. Uh, at the time that we broke up, I was 28. So it was a quarter of my life. I dated this person. Um, and I, you know, like when you're with people who are constantly pushing your buttons, when someone new pushes your button, they don't know that you've been honed for battle. Like I am a warrior at trauma And so when someone innocently, like, we're just having a regular fight, they're pushing my button, they are not getting a response that is adequate or accurate for the situation at hand. And I am very sorry. And what usually happens, so there's one or two ways this can go. Um, The way I prefer, because anger management is not anger eradication, And for the longest time, I thought it was. And I just kept thinking there was something wrong with me because I was still angry all the time. And anger management is managing it. Sometimes I delegate my anger. Thanks, roller derby. Um, So other times, you know, I once there's certain somatic keys and cues, I know to take myself out of a situation. I'm feeling it in my body. I'm feeling... Um, the threat level um, and I'm not leaving that situation because I don't want to have that conversation with you I would just rather have a conversation that you deserve and the person I am after I notice that you don't deserve that person and then my favorite is people usually throw those responses in my face I'm like no 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 no. I tried repeatedly to leave this situation I begged Uh, In some instances, I started self-harming because I was like, I don't want to say anything mean to you, but like, you got to let me out of this car. You got to let me like, you got to get out of the kitchen. You got to go. You got to go. Like, I need to have this conversation. 
tomorrow um, because I need to go wrap this up for your safety, but also mine because I lose time when I have to ramp myself down because it's very easy to ramp up, but getting back down that ramp is very difficult. And going back into like a baseline or even like above baseline, um, there's a lot of wasted time. So yes, selfishly, I would like to, you know, not get riled up, but also I don't want someone seeing that side of me. Uh, it's not the side of myself that I want to put out there. It's not the side I want to share in this relationship with you, whether it's a friendship, professional relationship, whatever it is. Like, if I'm bouncing, it's not because I'm flaky. That's the ADHD. I am still flaky. Don't get me wrong. But um, in this specific kind of situation, the person you're about to argue with sucks. And I don't want her to come out. I, I want to take her away and put her in timeout. Like she's the spoiled child that she is. So how have you um, like learned to sort of cope with that? Like those temper tantrums, um, you know, because you don't want to shame them, obviously, but they're going to be a part of you. So how have you sort of like learned to manage it? Oh, um, so this is where I think I was going with my, like, tangent. Um, I try to participate in a shame zero life. And as a person that used to be, like, notorious for being petty and extra and, like, a shade master, um, it's really hard to lead a shame zero life because, like, it's just... It's so, like, for the longest time, I would try to take the, like, vicious thoughts running through my head, and I would try to just make them funny. I would try to, like, you know, and then when you're feeling repressed, uh, it's easy to kind of project that onto other people, um, and so that's where a lot of my, like, nastier, petty comments would come from. So, to be shame zero to myself, uh, I had to also be shame zero to others. So a lot of things that most people find funny, I don't anymore. Um, I was never really a big fan of roast culture, but I got into it. Uh, and now I, I really just like, I can't roast people. <laughs> I'm so bad at it now because I'm just like, yeah, well, so is your mom. But actually, your mom's great. How's she doing? <laughs> Um, you know, and I think that that's the biggest way that I've been able to work on that with myself is once I started treating other people in this shame zero mentality, it was so much easier to approach myself that way. So how has sort of the, your ADHD and your BPD sort of come like together? Cause to me, I like can see how the impulsivity can really if like ADHD um, can really impact a lot of the your symptoms of your borderline, um, and then like they feed into each other. That seems like really overwhelming. Yeah, it is really overwhelming. Um, a lot of the people that I've been really vibing with since uh, you know my life fell apart are people who understand that that's a lot, and I lost a bunch of my friends. Uh, and those that I didn't lose, but were in the same social group, uh, it became weird. And then they wouldn't talk to me because they felt uncomfortable. Um, and it's no shaming on them for doing that. I have done that to people because like if someone's stuff is too big and you don't know how to help them carry it, it's just like, 
I hope you're okay from over there. Bye. <laughs> um, so anyone that has done that to me, I, you know, like I'm addressing it because it was, it fed into the isolation. Um, however, I don't blame you. I don't, I don't blame anyone but myself on that, you know, um, cause I made it weird to be my friend. Um, that was actually the times when I discovered shadow work and my finger painting. <laughs> It's a really weird time to isolate. Um, for whatever the reason that you're isolating, it's just a weird time. Um, and I thought at first that like a lot of the stuff I was going through was because I was also suicidal. But as I stopped being suicidal and then I still had these weird mental health hangups from isolating, it became evident that they were not necessarily connected. You know, um, I actually am no longer suicidal. Uh, which is like insane. Um, and I do want to talk about that because it's important. Because <laughs> uh, when I talk about things, people assume they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Like she's just like in remission or whatever. Um, we need better terminology for how we talk about suicidal ideation, uh, especially because like, I mean, I've had people accuse me of weaponizing it to make other people feel bad. And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. If someone's pushing a lot of buttons in my brain and, and like keeping me in a conversation, I'm gonna tell you how I feel about it. Uh, don't keep me in a conversation. Like don't trap me in something that I don't wanna participate in. Like, cause not only am I not gonna be productive or helpful, but then I'm going to list every symptom as they're happening. And people misinterpret that as, oh, I'm the reason you're suicidal. Like don't blame me I'm so toxic. And it's like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I feel unsafe in this conversation and I am now just listing the reasons why I am unsafe. And yeah, they're all made up nonsense that my brain came up with to, for shits and giggles. Uh, but that doesn't mean that my neurological or my nervous system isn't experiencing those symptoms. Um, well, how, so you said that you wanted to talk about no longer being suicidal. So how yes. did that sort of come about and how are you feeling now? Man, I would love to do this interview again after I've been back on ADHD meds and just, like, see if it's linear. It probably won't be. You're doing fine. <laughs> yeah, 100% fine. We've had way weirder interviews. Okay. Honestly, though, like, I would say that this is one of our funnest ones. <laughs> you're also, like, really testing me because I'm the person who reminds people where to pick back up. And you're really testing my ability to pay attention right now as I'm making a maze doodling <laughs> no i'm doodling okay. that's fine um sorry friend <laughs> it's okay so um yeah i i think getting the adhd diagnosis was really helpful for um the beginning of not being suicidal anymore um coming to terms with everything that i found in my shadow work and reinforcing the self-care um, so then I know that even though I've done some pretty messed up stuff or said some, let's be real, I said some really messed up stuff and did annoying things <laughs> um, along the way. And, you know, some people, I lost people and that's always a wake up call, but I've lost people before. And the thing that makes this difficult or different was that I undertook the difficult work of figuring out why I do the things that kind of, you know, push people away. And I, I did that um, for certain things, but it was always very topical. Um, I, uh, you know, 
maladaptive coping mechanisms, they serve a survival purpose, uh, you know, but then they go on to ruin your lives if you don't resolve it. Um, and a lot of times other people will want you to fix symptoms, but it doesn't touch the underlying trauma, underlying trauma. And if you don't dig deep and grapple with your shadows, preferably with a professional, um, if you are new to shadow work or therapy, um, therapists are the place to start with that. <laughs> uh, really just want to reemphasize that professionals are built for that. What I took away from that and what I took away from just the 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 tenor of my mental health journey before that um, was that I was relying on other people too much. Um, I There was a lot of external validation going on because I didn't know how to validate myself. I didn't know how to live for myself, so I would live for other people. Um, I've been focusing on planting seeds for making a lot of things help me out. So it's not just roller derby. It's not just my teammates. It's, it's, it's a lot of different things. You know, I've been painting a lot. Um, I've been, um, as I mentioned earlier, I've had to completely read like, <sighs> sorry, I'm just still really annoyed that the time I finally believe in myself to follow my dreams to be like, <laughs> you know what, I've been a teen librarian for 10 years. And I'm so good at this. And I connect with teenagers so well. And I help them not only like have fun, but like, I don't care if they have fun. I mean, I do, but that's like a byproduct. Uh, I care if they believe in themselves more, if they are more creative uh, than when I met them. And I was like, I want to bring this to so many different people. And I think Seattle is exactly the place where I can do that. And then everything closed everything. So I've had a lot more projects because, you know, I've started doing TikTok, like I said earlier, because I want to get better at video editing. And I've been trying to reach out to different friends who have art licensing experience um, and painting and honestly, uh, reading a lot. Uh, vigilante librarian here going to tell you that reading is really helpful for my feelings. I don't know about you, but... I'm really here for books. I've read like seven books this quarantine already. Yeah. So so that's a yes from you? <laughs> yes. So the too long, didn't read version of this answer is leisure awareness is how you can help get yourself prepared to uh, deal with suicidal thoughts. Just being aware of how you're spending your time. See, you did it. No problem. You didn't need <laughs> <Ta -da>! help. <laughs> um, so I think that reading... While that is a revolutionary act, I think reading responsibly for your emotions um, is also helpful. Um, and if you don't know what you're looking for, like I am really good at like if you're trying to find a specific vibe, um, I may not be able to do it off the top of my head. I usually have to physically look at the library shelves. But if someone's like, oh, I want a book that makes me. I'm trying to think of one. Um Come up with like a weird mood and I'll see if I, like, I can just like perfectly match weird moods that teenagers are trying to find in books. And I'm like, oh, I got you. Here's this one. Um, but whenever I am put on the spot, my ADHD takes over and I forget literally everything I know. Um, so like having the safety of the bookshelf in front of me, I'm like, all right, let's go. Um, and then it feels more like a hunt instead of something I have to know off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, so if you feel like you're going through a lot, 
and you want someone who will make sure that certain things aren't in a book for you, um, I would definitely talk to a librarian. Um, a lot of librarians are, you know, working from home or furloughed right now, but, um, you know, when things all kind of are said and done, I think that reaching out to a public librarian, because even if they haven't read a book, a lot of them will have this database called Novelist, um, which you might be able to access with your library card, especially in the state of New Jersey. I believe uh, the New Jersey State Library actually offers that um, for every library card holder in the state. Uh, and, you know, you can read publisher reviews, which will include trigger warnings for something like pedophilia. Um, you can read based on a book that you've previously liked and you liked the feeling of it, you can kind of pick from that mood, um, you know, not to be a library commercial or anything, but librarians are awesome. <laughs> I may not want to work in a public library full time anymore, but I still think that they're really helpful when you have a lot, like when it, whatever your problem is, like obviously go to a therapist if it's like uh, something, you know, like self-harm related or you know something very serious but if you're just having some feels and you need a book that is the person who's going to help you mm -hmm. <laughs> that's really I think that's really that's a perfect place to end like let's hail out to the librarians <laughs> uh, I think that's wonderful um yeah so we really appreciate you taking the time and not canceling um and also spending some time with us during quarantine oh it's been lovely chatting with you during quarantine um it was very nice to meet you and we've like seriously super super appreciate this um and being so flexible and also using two pairs of headphones <laughs> yeah that was so confusing <laughs> you figured it I out did. Thanks for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed this wonderful mystical journey that we all went on um, with Voldilocks. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can send us an email at fraupalpodcast at gmail.com or you can always find us on Facebook and Instagram at fraupalpodcast. Um, we love you. And as always, don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick. Bam, bam, wow. bam. <laughs>